we stand on the unceded lands of the Kuli Nation. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples, custodians of the lands on which we work, and we pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was, always will be Aboriginal land. The next stop is Swanston Street. Change here for tram routes along the Swanston Street and St Kilda Road corridor. Because here, even if you listen to the narrative of the African gangs, South Sudanese, South Sudanese, South Sudanese, every other African country is quiet. Nobody says anything. The problem is nobody knows whether you're South Sudanese or not. When you're walking around, if there's two or three of you, you are Apex Gang. Welcome to Incuriosity Complex, a podcast looking at community enablement in Australia. The aim is to do a deep dive on enablement in Australia with the argument that the strength of any given society really lies in its ability to render itself to scrutiny. And so we're continuing with this season's theme of diversity. From a standpoint of African Australians in Melbourne, a theme we're calling Nice Black Aussies. Chapter 1. It's um, November 2022 in uh, Melbourne, and a crowd from the African community in Australia is gathering upon the Fed Square, the Federation Square. Some of them sit up in white tents or stalls and wait. In previous years, the crowd was there for one Saturday in November. This has been going on since uh, 2013, but around 2020, and 2021 pandemic, that one-day event has stretched out to a three-day period. In 2021, this crowd got pushed out westward along the Yarra River from the Fed Square to the Immigration Museum. But in uh, mid November 2022, on a Friday sunny afternoon, the crowd came back to the Fed Square. The next stop is Flinders Street Station. crowd of hundreds of people ballooned into thousands for the African Music and Culture Festival, which would run until Sunday evening. In fact, the organizers claim 2022 had the largest gathering, the most diverse, with half of Africa's 54 countries being represented. A claim that is meant to celebrate the achieved growth of diverse African representation here. Put another way, the promise to a non-African attendee at the festival is that they would be exploring half of the continent's culture in just one weekend. The irony of a claim like that is that it makes a conclusion that would infuriate many Africans. Africa's diversity cannot be reduced to the number of countries visited. The argument being, well, these are sloppy lines drawn up rapidly by colonialists, maps whose intention was to sow discord rather than offer some orderly cultural grouping. From St Kilda Road, I went up a gentle run of stairs marking the entrance onto the Fed Square. On the landing, the main square is straight ahead, bounded by a cluster of buildings. If you turn to your 9 o'clock and follow that pathway, you would terminate inside the ACME, a museum of screen culture. 
kitty corner away from the Acme is the Yarra Building, a cultural shrine showcasing artifacts of native owners of this land. The size of the venue takes up three quarters of a standard soccer field. The plaza is surfaced in sandstone cobblestones. Main square sits underneath an awning and above that awning and encased in a wall is a 65 square meter TV. It projects the stage performances to the audience. And despite the fact that it is located next to the country's oldest train terminus, Flinders Street Station, and a century-old St. Paul's Cathedral nearby, the Fed Square's modern architecture manages to blend with its surroundings. Its buildings are constructed from a latticework of shattered facades made of metal, sandstone, and glass, removing any obvious harmony or symmetry. Several years ago, one of these buildings was actually up for demolition, a bid by the world's largest corporation wanting to replace it for a flagship Apple store on these grounds. The locals wanted none of it and put up a fight against it, claiming that it was a mockery to the iconic venue, a venue that graced big acts such as Oprah Winfrey. Anyway, capitalism lost. I've never seen a welcome like this in my life. Nothing like As a venue to the African Music Festival, for three days, the Fed Square incurs no cost to the event organizers. Performances and festivals at the Fed Square are staged for free. When I reached out to the Fed Square, one of the curators designated for these festivities told me that the event organizers essentially run their own programs without any curation from the Fed Square. In these organizing committees, walk me through like a typical sort of planning stage of how to... Um, so in January, what we do, and I'm the secretary, so in January what we do... This is Pony. ...is we send out to all the Af Victorian African leaders, right? Of all the 54 countries? Yeah. All right. All of them. We send leaders saying ex expressions of interest to be in the steering committee. Mm. But in order for you to be in the steering committee, you also have to commit mm. to attend these meetings. Mm. One, they're voluntary. And... It's a lot of time. I can tell you we have, it's, okay, twice a, twice, twice a month we meet as a steering committee, but coming up to an event, it's every week. When you're, when you're committing to these things, you're also committing to a role, like you are volunteer coordinator, which means you're coordinating 200 people for the rest of the year. Mm. So you can't bail out, you know, if, if your production, you are managing all the artists. So we put the call out to everyone saying, please join. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But nobody wants to put up their hand within the community to say, yep, I'll do it, and I'll do it for free. Same thing when, when we're doing for, when we're sending out information for artists. Please send in your expression of interest for artists. We've had similar artists or the same artists coming in year in, year out. Do you think anyone applies? Same people apply. And then people will say, oh, but, you know, we want something fresh. The application has been open since January. We've probably got three new people, but the old people have applied. And so you keep chasing the whole community. I'm constantly reminding people, applications are out, applications are out. I even said to Fred last year, he told me to wash my mouth out with soap. <laughs> I said, I, I actually need to step down. Let me just be secretary. Mm. Let somebody else take over as MC. Mm. It's been 10 years. Mm. Succession plan. <laughs> somebody else take the stage. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? I do. But nobody wants to put up their hand mm. within the community to say, yep, I'll do it and I'll do it for free. Mm. You know, and, and c commit to that. Not only that, then we, we send, and, and you should see poor Fred, uh, all the Facebook fa pages for all these different communities mm. we have in Victoria. Mm. He's a member. He'll put the information out to all this. Please come join the steering committee. Mm. Please come help. Same thing when, when we're doing for, when we're sending out information for artists. Okay, let's start um, stalls. Have mm. you got something you want to sell? We'll even give you a discount. Bring, all, bring your clothes. What do you mean discount? For for the for the because it's not free because we have All to right. pay we have to pay Fed Square as well. Fed, Fed Square charges us. They told me it's free. For what? Um, 
uh, providing the space? The space is free, but the marquee, you know, setting up the marquee, yeah. you know, and all that stuff, because they hire it from other people as well. So if Fred Square charges us 600, mm. we'll charge you that 600, mm. you know, um, instead of charging a 1200, we'll charge you the 600. First time, you know, person, uh, stall owner, come, let's try it. How many new stalls do we get? Nothing. We get the Kalamari King from Greek who, you know, it's like, yeah, I'll pay you $3,000 just to, to be in the corner there. I'll take it because nobody wants wants to do it. Mm. The other day I was told, I called this my Ugandan sister. I said to her, you guys are really popular with your samosas, you know, and all that stuff. I said, come, we're doing it in the market here. Mm. Oh, mm, don't know, don't know. How can we help? What is it that we can actually do so that there's continuity? Mm. So that if your name is known, you know, mm. then and and then you say, Oh, I'm so tired of my job. Let's try something different. This right. is something that you're really good at. Right. You know, let's do that. So we put the call out every year without fail. People don't respond. Kenyan community of Victoria, the posts are there. We keep putting, we keep putting. I even this year in uh, March, when we had it at the Immigration Museum, Givinji, the one who performed from Kenya, the only reason Gdinji performed is because Gdinji is a friend of mine. We used to work together at Cabrini, night shift. And I said to Gdinji, Gdinji, I know you can sing. Come represent the Kenyans. That's how Gdinji came to perform. First Kenyan and different artists to perform at the festival. But why do I have to pull teeth? Why do we have to pull teeth? You know the festival and the dates come out even the year before. You know, November, it's 17, 18, 19, you know. Right. It's going to be on that day. Yeah. What, do you want, what, what more do you want from me? I don't understand what people want. Right. Avail yourself. Email. It's the contact. Come and join us. Fed Square, the space might be free, but everything else that comes with it. What's everything else that comes with it? AV. Yeah. AV is like 27000 per per day. Right. Because you've got to pay all those people as well. Right. That screen that we see on Fed Square there, yeah. it's 7000 a day. So what's the space that they offer for free? The space. Right. Just to be in Fed Square, mm. that's free. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially you can be there and they'll turn off the screen. Yeah. They'll turn off the screen and no AV. Okay, well, that's a bit misleading on Pet Square's part because, um, yeah, I had this sense that you guys were getting it for free. What do we get for free? Ain't nothing in this life for free, man. Yeah. No. All right, all right, so here's the thing. The catch-22 about diversity is that if you're an organization and, um, and you're having no diversity initiative in place, well, you will lose your cheerleaders. Most people just don't want to have anything to do with an organization that has no, you know, diversity initiative. So what then happens is that organizations rush to create these mission statements and charters for diversity and inclusion. And in some cases, they're tokenistic. So when you go and press them, they are unable to account for them because they're shells. They meant nothing. It's just a box-ticking process. In other cases, minorities too prey on this box-ticking process. When they're recruited, when they're installed, perhaps to window dress the system, to window dress the organization as, you know, diverse, 
they themselves end up just not speaking up. You are hired to be the voice, the fresh voice of diversity. But then when you're inside, when you're at the table, you, um, you're silent. You're quiet. And that's not a criticism. You know, it's, it's, if, if it's a room of 20 people and it's just two minorities in there, it's, you can see how hard it would be for those two to put their hands up. But that's precisely why they were hired. You, that, it's in the definition, minority, speak up. That's, you are the minority, so you're hired to speak up. And that's the tension, that's the, um, the catch-22. You're hired as a minority to speak up. But then, because you're a minority, you, it's, it's understandable that you, you're going to be unable to speak up, you know, until there is that threshold that you reach where, you know, there's enough of you in a room for you to say, oh, you know what, if I do see something and say something about it, uh, I can just, at least I have three other people who have my back after this meeting ends. But if it's just two of you, <laughs> um, it's, you can see how that would be really complicated to speak up. And in other cases, you might find that the minorities who are hired, they're a fit. The reason they're a fit is because they are they conform they are not going to be these i don't know problematic hires so just get hired walk into the door get your coffee and shut the hell up do your nine to five and then go back home and <laughs> whinge about what a shit day you had and uh, maybe your partner gets to hear about it and, you know, you all commiserate together, um, have dinner, <laughs> go to bed, wake up the next day, dress up, go to work, um, shut the hell up again and, you know, go through the motions. And maybe by you doing that, you're hoping that there will be a reward, a promotion, let's say, you know, you... Oh, Chris is so affable. Chris is so likable. Chris is so, he, um, he's articulate. He is, he gets along, <laughs> he gets along well with his peers. Um, and that's how you get your review. That is how you get your uh, vertical movement. That is how you're going to sort of attach your wagon hitch it to the engine which is the patriarchy if you try to rankle anything you will get tossed out you will get unhitched so I'm saying that to say that the minority that's hired thinks that they are playing the game they are using they're using the caboose in other words they're using the patriarch they're using the white maleness they're using the whoever is running the organization whoever is running the system they, they're using the system to get ahead oh yeah you know they use me i'll use them they use me i'll use them you know the system is also using you by hiring you to window dress and therefore tick that box and no one's ever going to call us out as being um you know non-diverse because look at us we have one, two, three black people. One, two, three LGBTI people. We have one, two, three women who are board directors. Um, and what should be noted there is that one, the system is using uh, the minorities and the minorities think that they're using the system. Something is falling through the cracks. And it's not the system and it's not the minorities who are in the system, who are hired and knowledgeably know that they're using the system. That's not who's being affected here. It is 
someone else that's outside there who's getting burned. And that is where I think the, that is where the tumor is. That's where the cancer is. That's where the, the illness, the sickness is. And, and no one is willing uh, to lose their shirt, to go and, I don't know, provide a safety net, provide a harness, to provide a parachute for whoever is falling through the cracks. And so having that in mind, I went to the Fed Square website and downloaded, you know, or really read up on their literature, their charters, their mission statements on diversity and what they're doing towards diversity and what they've what they hope to be doing towards diversity. I thought, you know what, this is this is glowing. So maybe let me place a call. Let me go and ask them how, I mean, these, some of the statements have been there. They've had them for years. And I wanted to see how do you measure, you know, it, it's, not, it's not to say that you are supposed to see any kind of remarkable positive movement or difference um, year after year. But if you've been doing something for, I don't know, five, eight years, then surely you've got to have some kind of measure that tells you that, oh, you know what, we're doing this or that. And that tells us that our mission statements is moving in a positive direction. Or if it's plateaued or if it's stalled, then you can, you know, maybe that's where consultations kick in, try to figure out how can you move that needle. So bearing that in mind, I, um, I wanted to have a chat with the um, Fed Square. And yeah, they, they just... It, Mm. It didn't happen. <laughs> it it just didn't happen. Okay, so now th- let me uh, sort of zoom in on. Um, uh, actually, let me ask this this way because I reached out to Fed Square. I told them, "Hey, I've looked at your manifesto, your objectives, whatever, your goals, your mission statement, and white paper. I want to have a chat with you." And they said, "Do you want to have a chat?" With you? But that's about what? I said, well, I'm coming from this African music, blah, blah. That's where my starting place is. But I want to talk to you about diversity because this thing has been happening for um, 10 years. Um, how do you measure whether or not it's promoting diversity in Melbourne or Victoria, Australia? And they said, oh, well, that's not a question for us. That's a question for... Uh, the city of Melbourne? No, s- uh, go to the uh, festival organizers. I said, that doesn't make sense. I guess <laughs> if there ever was a handball, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And they could have easily answered that question, by the way, about, you know, diversity, because they are the ones who decided to have festival month in November, starting with Diwali, then the Polish festival, then the African festival, then, you know, they could have easily... Yeah, and I think it, it becomes a touchy thing um, when you, like, I don't know whether people just want to talk about it or they feel like, oh, I'm just going to be put, but, you know, it's a, you don't have to be sure of your answer. No. You can, you know, hypothesize, you can say, like, you know, we were doing this two years ago, now we're doing this. That could be a measure. But to not even touch it is to leave yourself in a, same place that you might have been two three years ago without even measuring it Mm, mm. um but because they didn't answer that question do you want to answer it whether or not there is a promotion of diversity through uh, because i just felt like oh must be nice you've given this space to promote diversity surely we wouldn't see some um i want to see some measurements of you know I think there is, um, particularly in the number of people who come growing every year, which is quite encouraging. And, I, and I've already mentioned it's not our people who are coming. It isn't. It isn't an increase in, you know, the, the Africans mm-hmm. per se, because we have our regulars mm-hmm. who actually come. But it's an increase, you know, of um, 
supporters or people who are getting to know more about us um, and people who are coming to support their artists, mm. to support, you know, um, African music. but it is more just white people than anything else and um, uh, there is a Chinese population as an Indian population yeah. but not really African um, and my, whereas my sister lives in North Fitzroy yeah. and there's much more African people and um, in fact uh, my two nephews play soccer right. and their soccer coach is an African man called um, uh, Shede and he's Kenyan all right. Yeah, yeah, and so they they have a good time with him. He teaches them how. He's very good at football. Yeah, yeah. He does yeah. all the. Yeah. He used to play professionally. For like the Kenyan team, maybe. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know if he played nationally, but he played professionally in some yeah. way. Because my next question was going to be around, what does multiculturalism look like to you? Like, isn't having Chinese, Indian. It should have everyone. It should have everyone. Yes. African, everyone. Yeah. Um, I, I prefer to have a multicultural society. Yeah. I, I think I think Australia's benefited enormously from it. You know, there's just so many ways it's beneficial, and it, you can learn so much more. There's wonderful food. There's people to learn from. And, and like what? What, what would you learn, for instance? Well. Um, just learn that there are different ways of doing things and that, and that people have come from very difficult backgrounds that you don't necessarily have a good understanding of, you yeah. know, like war or, um, or just poverty or, or various different things, you know, it, 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 or, or it might not be anything like that, it might be that there's um, a, a business background or something like that in Africa. Yeah. I, I just think you can learn a lot from talking to people. Do you reckon if you found that 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 is present in a workplace that because you spend most of your time in the workplace yeah. would you find that oh that suffices I'm spending here 40 hours a week or 8 hours of my work awake life in a workplace if I get that dose of diversity there yeah who's to care if I'm not getting it at home in Arkansas yeah I would prefer to get it at home I have yeah. I have a very diverse friendship base but yeah. not African I'm yeah. unfortunately <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just don't seem to meet any I'll answer this question twofold because for me I think promoting diversity where we are still works in progress but have made strides toward the right direction obviously number one is in the size that we have grown when we first started in 2014, we only had about 5,000 people come. And majority of those 5,000 were Nigerians because it was sponsored by the Nigerian uh, oh, Association yeah. that year, mm -hmm. specifically. Now that we've grown to a crowd of 40,000 a day. Mm. A day? Yeah. I thought Fabulous. The whole last, last year, I can't quite... I'm going to say 40,000 a day only because yeah. the rain... Mm. In the evening, mm. shoot people away. Right. But throughout the day, nah, nah, nah. I'm gonna support. How can we have forty thousand a year before, and then over three days have another forty thousand? Makes no sense whatsoever. Someone was not counting correct. Mm. Um, I know it will be much bigger. So there's that size, you know, of of a crowd who are actually coming to actually see us and be with us, right? From a business perspective, it's been awesome in seeing the different. Uh, businesses who reach out, uh, including churches. Remember those those I a stall for the for the. They just they wanted to attend, you know. Uh, uh, years of Victoria uh, police attending the AFP final were like, we want in too. Mm. Why? You know? Victoria police has now got why? Because I need to see representation of us in the federal polices, you know. If so did you ask for them to send that African police guy, or how, how did that? Which one? To be one of the patrolmen. Uh, he comes uh, every year. Oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. He, he comes every year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you see, his face is plastered everywhere in Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, he comes every year. Yeah. 
Anyway, but it's not that. But I didn't AFP, ask yeah. for the African AFP one. Mm. That one they brought him from Canberra, I think it was. <laughs> so it was wonderful. <laughs> but I was happy to see him there. Yeah, I was very happy to see him there too. Yeah. But but re representation matters, mm. right? It does. When we see ourselves there, or if one of us is there, imagine. I saw him, by the way, and this made me so proud. Mm. Remember the, when uh, there was a whole lot of protests with the climate change and, you know, all that. And uh, and then afterwards we had, you know, the Black Lives Matter mm. and it got really out of hand. And you, mm. you, there was a police mounted on the horses and oh, doing yeah, all that I stuff remember. as well. You remember I that one? I remember that, yeah, yeah. He was one of them, right? Just oh, on, yeah, on Swanson yeah, Street. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And he was one of them. But it was great to see him because as soon as I saw him, I felt calm. Because mm. I thought to myself, okay, great. You know, it, because there's one of us amongst these people. Right. If any of them yeah. try anything, yeah. there's one of us amongst them. Yeah. And I know and I feel mm. in my soul, he's one of us. Yeah. Not one of them per se, yeah. one of us. Yeah. Where he would actually say, no, that's not the right thing yeah. for you to and do. And they probably wouldn't try something if they know that he's Correct. in the room. Correct. Yeah. So it gave me such a great sense of pride mm. and, and a great sense of calm. Because mm. I'm ah, my brothers march on. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. One of yours is here. <laughs> 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 yeah. And now we've got a hundred and what, twenty of them. All right. Now we've got more than 120 members. African mm. in Victoria Police. Over the last three years. Yeah. These are the things that happen from this festival. Yeah. My, my police, because I joined this diversity police program. Oh, oh my friends are African because of this I diversity. <laughs> And as I know, oh, only African people speak a better English as a foreigner because you colonized by UK before, so your English become your official language. So much convenient for you, but not easy. See, this is my Uganda classmates. See, this is my Uganda, Mariam. You don't know. No, 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 no. But this company, Just Wheat? Yeah. In Collingwood? Yeah. Only only get African people to go to police. Yes, yes, yes. Six, yes. But six batch of them each time they choose 20 African yes. people and yes. become a police yes. force. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. So she's yeah. my Uganda classmate. That's wow. how I know Uganda people. Yeah. Wow. Yes. But there's no one she's in a Maria. 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 Yeah, but we're all in the same program. Yeah. Yeah, I know Jews there to take care of the African people. I know that and like get them jobs, get them police, yeah, train them, help them to pass the police exam. Yeah. So then I'm the round two diversity program. After they finish all the round six African people, they start to have diversity from each country. So my class is 25 students from 16 different countries. So I have wow. Sudanese, have Uganda, have Philippines, and have uh, Kenya, and the uh, Iraq, and yeah. um, uh, Pakistan, and uh, India, wow. and um, my classmates in Indonesia. I'm the only Chinese for the 150 <laughs> people. <laughs> there are 700 people, I'm the only That's a great initiative. Yes, yeah, so yeah, really then is. suddenly yeah. I realized, oh god, the African got an advantage because they all speak English. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, well now we are all trying to do the same thing with AFP. Mm. We're trying to do the same thing with who? A Metropolitan Fire. Mm. My and brothers. SES so as well. Yeah. Fire. Join. Fire. Yeah. yeah. Join, you know. If you that's what you want to do, let's do it. Let's see how you can do it. Victoria Police found a way, you know, that model is being replicated, that diversity of recruitment, you know, where we will help you, we will hold your hand through all these steps. Mm. And not only that, um, uh, the PSOs, you know, if, if you don't go all the way, you can be a PSO, mm -hmm. which still gets you into employment mm. gets you out of trouble mm. these are the things that i'm saying so that's how to a certain extent diversity is improved for us mm. 
um, for our people, for them. You know, they learn a little bit more about that. Those relationships that are built, you know, um, continue to, you know, assist, not just during the festival, but outside of the festival. Commonwealth Bank for years, and like, okay, get us three or four people. And we will go through that whole process of loan application for homes and all that stuff. We will show them, okay, in the next 12 months, this is what you need to do. You know, stop eating at McDonald's every day. Or stop doing this. Or so the budget, this is what is expected of you. You must have a clean this, clean that. Let's clean this debt, consolidate that. How many people do have we got in Daninong who have now bought their homes, including my own relatives? because of the relationships that we actually build. So then you've got the, the, the diversity in terms of those who come to see their artists. This woman and her husband traveled from Sydney because they had not seen Afro Moses for 10 years. But they were like, we're not going to miss. I remember at the immigration museum. I think yeah, yeah. There. We came to see Afro Moses. Because you saw Afro Moses, I don't know how long. You know, Ras Jano, very, very, very popular. Mm. Solis Dema, you know, when we had uh, Tando. Mm. We've seen her on The Voice. They're coming. Melbourne brags as a welcoming city that provides education and employment opportunities to new arrivals. The city also does not shy away from confronting and atoning the inglorious history of its atrocity against Aborigines and other minorities. From this, Melbourne stands in stark contrast from other Australian metros. In fact, Melbournians have a hunger for redemptive measures to be implemented swiftly, a hunger for undoing appalling society norms. Because of its history to embrace redemptive measures, Melbourne is now one of the world's foremost progressive cities. It has an appetite for clashing views in freedom of expression and a willingness to embrace policies that later paved its future to become a marvelous cosmopolitan welcoming the world and later the Olympics in the 1950s. Long before the rest of Australia caused it up to the idea, Melbourne was the first to present itself as a city to controversially settle Anglo-Celtics, Southern Europeans and Asian migrants, effectively ending the white Australia policy, a strict immigration policy favouring Anglo-Saxons to the country. Now Melbourne also has Australia's largest percentage of people with an African ancestry. Is my assessment uh, fair to say that um, there's then more backlash uh, in Melbourne than, than Adelaide to Africans? In Melbourne? Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. But also, can I tell you one thing that is advantageous in Adelaide? Mm. Because they're so small, mm. they're so unified. Mm. Okay. I see what we you We all mean. knew each other. Yeah. Support group. Yeah. We yeah. all knew each other. Yeah. It was a wedding. All of us are going. Yeah. If it's this, all of us are there. Yeah. African festival. Everybody comes. Yeah. This African festival here, I've been trying to get Kenyans to come for I don't know how long. And yes, I'm calling them out. Come. Yeah. Hardly. The only ones who, the ones who come mm. are my personal friends. Mm. But the community itself mm. don't support. Right. The festival. We've got 54 countries. Yeah. Flip to the back. Yeah. There's no representative from Kenya. Yeah. How many Kenyans do we have who live here? Especially international students and those who come from, who are skilled migrants. Yeah. You know, South Africa, another country I'm going to call out. Yeah. How many South Africans do we have here? Mm. Hardly participate. Mm. Hardly participate in what is their own. Mm. You know, 
all we have you see all the food we eat is west african mm. you know mm. uh, jollof rice mm. then suya mm. mm. everything is west african right. they're the ones who participate most of the time they're the ones who've taken ownership of this thing but come to the african festival in adelaide everybody there why because we all know each other all of us we all know each other right. to this day they go on retreats together you know they they formed the african women's association mm. you know awf all of them mm. that's the women's association the african women's association no factions mm. of east west north and south anyway they can't anyway everything is 20 minutes away right. <laughs> <laughs> right. you know we we cannot even get ourselves together mm. in melbourne so of course then it's easy to divide and conquer you can't divide and conquer people who are unified mm. you can't because here even if you listen to the narrative mm. of the african gangs mm. you know mm. south sudanese south sudanese south mm. sudanese south sudanese every other african country is quiet mm. nobody says anything mm. the problem is nobody knows whether you're south sudanese or not mm. when you're walking around mm. if there's two or three of you mm. you are apex gang mm. so your silence is complicity mm. as well we as africans have been complicit in this narrative of painting this you know young boys mm. as absolute criminals without even understanding or trying to um understand mm. some of the background th- that people have you know people people have experienced per se mm. i find it really fascinating as you grow as you grow and also as as you continue teaching and doing all the stuff when you're talking about you know things such as uh, trauma informed you know practice and and um you know the attachment theories and you know freud and uh, Eric Erickson and all that stuff you know mm. people get stuck in different stages and people you know do things um especially young people and and it's not intentional um and it's not malicious mm. it's just young people mm. so instead of helping the young people we, we help oppress them even more by labeling them abandoning them mm. you know if i already have abandonment issues and then now my own community abandons me how do i feel that's been my biggest problem by providing a platform for festivities such as the african festival melbourne is giving prominence to african beliefs and behaviors so that as ethnic groups their cultures are not in jeopardy of being extinguished so that these beliefs and behaviors are later on transferable to generations pockets in the city do not shy away from showing friendliness to immigrants you can see local government buildings emblazoned with large banners that read refugees and asylum seekers are welcome here in fact st paul's cathedral overlooking the venue across the street It too has a large welcoming banner and indeed the visitor to Melbourne quickly would notice a brimming level of welcomeness and warmth from the locals not as nearly matched by other major Australian metros Yeah. 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 Um, uh for obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 
excuse me, Irish are Republicans, so you know I want to be a Republican. That's me. Yeah. And I'm a little bit English, yeah. but mostly Cornish, which I'm proud of, down the south. Because the Corn in Cornwall they wanted to secede for England from England. Yeah. Nobody knows where the Cornish language came from. Yeah. And um, I'm proud of that because we wanted to be our own people. Yeah. And we're Celts. We're not we come from Celtic stuff, which is Scottish, Irish, Welsh, Cornish. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's a good sub friend. Um, so that, um, I'm happy about that. Um, and I've got about 14% Western Europe, probably a bit of French and, and German, possibly. But I did find out I had some Nordic, which surprised me. I didn't know that. tells you where your forebears have been because I was born in Africa and I woke up in Australia. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Good. Well, that's the truth. I love it. Man, I come from. It is, it is the truth, isn't it? I was born in the Rift Valley so yeah, yeah. and I woke up in Australia. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, dear. That cloudless Friday afternoon, day one of the festival, the sun had forced many of the early attendees to seek cover beneath whatever nearby cooling shades they would find. Africans resettling in Australia winters in the southern parts of the country are a surprise. Oh, it was freezing. It was freezing. And we arrived at, I think, 11 o'clock at night or something of that sort. Yeah. And in those days, no, not, not even in those days, there were no more flights to Adelaide. Because mm. so we arrived in Melbourne, I think it was, or Sydney, I don't remember, one of those two. Um, but there was no flight to Adelaide. So we had to stay at the airport. Oh, no. Until the morning, wow. until like six o'clock or something of that sort. That flight. And I remember it was unset. I don't even remember unset. Just that stay at the airport was so cold. It was so cold. I remember that day was a very interesting day. So we, we came, we sat at the airport, you know, it's six o'clock, we got onto a flight, came to Adelaide. When we arrived at, at, at Adelaide Airport, I already had a cousin here, my cousin Peter. Mm. And then with Nick, um, who, a family friend, and his wife, Evelyn. So they were there at the airport. And a few, you know, members of the Sudanese community, maybe two or three. Mm. They came, picked us up, they took us to our accommodation and I remember Evelyn had made lasagna and I'd never had lasagna yeah. before and I thought it was the most disgusting thing ever <laughs> <laughs> but also because I don't eat cheese and they didn't tell me that it had cheese in it yeah. and I oh, you don't actually like you don't interact with cheese I don't interact with cheese yeah. and if it wasn't for the cheese it would have been the bechamel <laughs> That is. You know that white sauce? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the one that they put in between yeah. the layers? Yeah. The rest of the family was like, man, this is good stuff. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to die. Yeah. You know? And then Peter's like, it's okay, I'll go get you some chicken. So he went and got KFC. And I thought, what kind of chicken is this? <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't eat for like three days. What? Couldn't. Just could not. Yeah. Until we went to the market, we went to Central Market. I remember, they took us to Central Market, mm. and and yeah, um, got some proper stuff. Yeah. Mum cooked, and I was like, "Thank you." Now we're good. So, not super fans to the cold, nor the heat. For those Africans vending at the festival, pragmatic customer service would be key. If you're overexcited, as a merchant, eager to indulge prospective customers. That would probably fatigue you quickly in the afternoon heat. A balance has to be found. Conserve that energy, that exuberance, by acknowledging patrons with a smile. Keep the eye contact brief. The irony here being you are projecting the vibe you yourself are denied in a retail shopping experience at a mall, which would be 
being followed or the target for a random bag search. I was admiring the textile design for one of the t-shirts for sale when two women walked into, let's call it the Zambian stall. One brunette and a blonde chit-chatting with one another, their conversation rising above the din. They were browsing the hanging garments with the familiarity of a return shopper. The brunette took a recommendation from her friend about a fabric on account that she had previously gifted it to her boyfriend, rousing some nostalgia in him. I walked farther up Kitty Corner from the Zambian store. Beneath an outdoor umbrella, a woman was braiding the hair of an 11 or 12 or 13 year old girl into columns coiled with blonde and brown strands. This in African law would be an ordinary chore if it wasn't an expensive one. However, when cultures mix, ordinariness at times wears away. Hairdressing turns into an action of bold expression. Even this young girl, perhaps navigating her multiracial identity, hair may convey her rejections against judgments of what constitutes beauty and propriety. Because I'll say, hey, that's not on, or something like that. That's my new one is, hey, it's not on. If I feel them touching my hair before they say something, you know, I just, I don't, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Because in America or anywhere else I've visited, no one has ever done this. Only ever experienced it here in Australia. I want to pull on your hair. I want to pull on your hair in the same way that you pull on mine. I want to invade your personal space without your knowledge or consent, and I want to see how you feel. I mean, like, you know, blonde women who go to certain parts of the world get their hair touched because they don't see blonde people all the time. And I think for them, it actually is something that's a little bit more, you know, like, oh, she's so beautiful, blah, blah, blah. But when they're touching my hair, they're expecting something that I necessarily don't live up to. I feel like, you know, like, your hair is so hard. Or the other one is because I have gel in my hair to keep it down. But there was one time some woman touched my hair and she goes, it's like cotton wool. And I don't understand what that's meant to mean as well. Like, you know, they have this expectation and it's not a nice expectation. I don't know what they're expecting when they're touching my hair without asking, but it's negative. It really isn't our problem. All we've done is grow our hair as most people choose to or choose not to or style their hair as they choose to or choose not to. And it's, I think, really the hair touches problem. They're coming into someone else's space and deciding that it is their right to do so. So I don't see it as a problem for us. And when I say us, I mean African Australians. I think for some African Australians, it is viewed as a problem in the sense that if they have natural hair, they may perceive that it is more touchable or that people want to touch it more because it appears different. So that's where some people may choose to straighten it or to have it look less kinky, less, less textured. Well, it is okay to be curious, but there's a difference in being curious and then touching someone's hair without their permission, without even asking for permission and just readily doing it. So I think there's this sense that you have a right to simply touch someone's hair because it's different. It doesn't look like your own. And that presents quite an interesting little scenario because for me, I see a lot of people who don't have hair like my own in Australia. And I mean, you know, straight hair that is quite different to my own. And I would never dream of touching it and I don't have an interest in touching it. And perhaps that is because of my own experience with hair touching, but it seems like a very sort of common sense idea to me not to touch a stranger's hair without their permission. whole natural hair world has so many different acronyms and everything for the way your hair is. So basically, I'll just say I have maybe a looser form of very tight curl. Well, 
there's an actual chart that you can look up where it describes the different hair textures by numbers and letters. So if your hair is straight, then you're like a one. And depending on how much wave you get, you can be a one A, B, or C. So then as you get curlier, your hair becomes a two or a three, and the curliest hair is a four. And the curliest hair with the tightest curl is called a four C. And a lot of African women identify themselves as four C, this kinkier, curlier texture of hair, which I always kind of wanted because you always want what you can't have, but I ended up having 4A. So more curl, but less of the zigzaggier texture, more of an S curl. I have a lot of little spiral curl. One of the things that I've tried to do in this exercise is to try and put away my personal thoughts as much as possible and instead let the thoughts of um, my interviewees to form the trajectory of the production process. It's their questions or their thoughts that I wanted to drive me rather than my own personal thoughts or questions. So at the festival, I was lucky I was lucky to come across this trio whose questions will mostly be the North Star, the engine, the compass that drives me in, in the creation of this podcast. Um, I have a quick question before yeah. you finish. So, yeah. um, this is a more big top-level question. So if you look, I think if you look, at least in the history of Australia and my observation, so, you know, you get the new immigrants tend to be the ones who, there's always some, there's more discrimination against them. Like, and I'm thinking like, you know, Italians, I think, you know, like a few decades ago, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, I, I wasn't around then, but you yeah. hear stories of people, you know, yeah. uh, saying, oh, you know, you, you don't want to admit to the Italians, yeah. you know, yeah. well, yes. we don't want pizza in our neighborhood, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. and then more, and, you know, then they're the Vietnamese, you yeah. know, kind of more in the 80s, you know, the 80s, and then more recently you have like the Sudanese, you yeah. know, and a few years ago, you know, there are politicians and more on the right wing of politics saying, you know, the Sudanese gangs, I don't know if you remember all that kind of stuff, right? But you know, nowadays, of course, Ita no one talks about how bad the Italians are, you know? Of course, we're now like maybe a couple, few generations after. Yeah. So it seems like the immigrants I, might you know, seem to be, they do seem to be accepted, but it seems to take, you know, it might take a generation or two, perhaps. Like Vietnamese, you don't really hear much about anti-Vietnamese now, I don't know. Whereas you did, in, feel like in the 80s, you did, yeah. you know, along yeah. a few decades ago. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember that. Oh, you don't? Like Rumper yeah. Stumper? Did you ever see the movie Rumper Stumper? Yes. That was all about the yes. skinheads versus the Vietnamese, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. And so, um, uh, so, yeah. So the question is, is there a way that we can speed up? Do, do they feel there's a way that the process can be sped up of the acceptance of, uh, not only acceptance, but also more than acceptance, the uh, embracing, embracing yeah. of, of new Im immigrants and the uh, you know, things that they enrich you know, the culture with, where the food and everything else, dance and music and everything else in the culture. My theory, actually, sorry, I'm going off a tangent That's now. right. I have a theory. I spent a little bit of time in South Korea. Yeah. And I did some, um, I was just teaching, I was actually teaching adult students. Um, this is weird, because I didn't know this was what I was going to do but when I got there. But when I got there, it was sprung on me that I was going to be teaching English teachers how to teach English. Mm. Mm. So I'd never actually taught English before. <laughs> but it turns out I was going to be teaching these Korean English teachers how to teach English. Mm. Mm. So, but anyway, I, I came to the view because I, you know, then I came, came to understand a bit more about Korean culture, and and I think my view is that any culture, my view at, at the moment, there's positive things and there's negative things. Yeah. I think it doesn't matter what culture you look at. Yeah. I feel you're going to find something that's very positive, but you're also going to find something that maybe is not so positive. Correct. You know, and uh, and so yeah. So well, the relevance of that is yeah. that, you know, I, I do think all the new immigrant cultures that come here there's going to be some probably going to be this something that's not so great maybe yeah, yeah. but there's also going to be something that's amazing Correct. and fantastic Correct. 
And so, you know, we can embrace and, and celebrate you know, yeah. some, of these, some of those things. Yeah. Is there a way that that process can be sped up? I think, you know, it does seem to happen over a few generations. Yes. Like with the Italians and, and so on. And now maybe with Vietnamese too, mm. they've mm. been here a few decades. Mm. Um, and I'm sure it maybe hasn't quite happened yet with Sudanese, but I'm sure it'll happen probably, if, you know, might take a, a decade yeah. or two. Or yeah. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Or even Somalis. Like I think Somali now, the, there's Somali restaurants, a few like in... Uh, where is it? Kensington? You know, mm-hmm. there's Somali. Re- there's like a street with like full of Somali restaurants, mm-hmm. and I think it's starting to become it's starting to become a bit of a thing. I think uh, the people who know about it, yeah, you know, because uh, I used to live near there, yeah. and you know, you used to go there, and it was all all some only Somalis would eat in this. But then over time, you notice, you know, a few white faces, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. people start to appreciate it, yeah, and like yeah, it. yeah. And so, yeah. So, is there a way that process can be Could sped, be sped up? up? Yeah, that's anyway, that's a. a Big picture question. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. But before we understand how to speed up that process, perhaps it helps to first clarify or even pinpoint what this African culture is. From the food, to the melodies, to the rhythms of Africa. That's next time as we continue with Nice Black Aussies. Nice Black Aussies is produced by myself and recorded at the State Library of Victoria. Some of the voices that you've heard are those of Kirsten from Alphington and Gloria the Police Cadet. Special thanks to Zasha and FBI Radio in Sydney who generously allowed me to reuse clips of African-Australians' own experiences with hair touching. Additional thanks to Tim. Music used is by Franco and Tablero Chero, Iron & Wine, Mbombela, Fari Athman, Blue Dot Sessions, and John Batman. A full list of the music used can be found within the show notes. <laughs>